I'm delighted to welcome today on my very new computer. You're my first podcast, Megan, on my, my new computer and my new camera and everything. So welcome, Megan Robinson. And you are the founder of Miss, Misfit to Mystic Academy. So the mystic thing intrigues me and I'm definitely a misfit. So I think we're going to get on jolly well. Amazing. So what is what is the academy? Tell tell, tell me um, how you came to set it up because you've got a, quite an interesting past, haven't you? Yes, I've got a very interesting past. I wasn't always known for misfit to mystic. My spiritual business used to be called Pearl Healing Corner, and I named that after my grandmother. Um, well, I named it after yeah, it is named after my grandmother. So I was Pearl Healing Corner for maybe around six years and at that point I was really focusing on doing complementary therapies and especially the the energy therapies that were a really big interest to me at that point and then when I rebranded in 2019 to Misfit to Mystic it really painted the picture of not only my journey through my whole experiences but it really honoured the essence of the human and it really honoured the essence of the spirit as well. And I think that that really spoke to a lot of the people that I was working with, a lot of the people who were following me online. Um, I mean, I started my business online in secret when I was 18 years of age, when I got clean and sober. And it was my Reiki master teacher who really helped me to get to that stage. But I came out of the spiritual closet then and um, after I've had a few years on Facebook offering readings doing you know distant healing being able to do some mentoring with people so it all happened pretty quickly but it transitioned from uh, being on Facebook and not being known at all not sharing my name not wanting anyone to know who I was to coming out and proud of the spiritual closet and creating this soulful business that has now taking me forward into my 30s which I'm really really grateful for really grateful for marvelous and what was the switch how how how, how did you come out of the closet was, was there a switch or did you just gradually creep out I think I gradually creeped out I think um I think online that the beauty about it was that I could work with people all over the world and there was no need to reveal myself. I could be exactly who I was in this soulful essence of who I am and do the work that I love to do without anyone getting a priest or without anybody judging me for what kind of shenanigans I was getting up to because the intention was always pure. But there was always that fear from growing up in Northern Ireland, being raised predominantly Catholic in Catholic schools. Like there is that kind of reverence where, oh, I've been doing this for a while. This is, you know, kind of how our communities run. And then it's actually quite interesting because throughout me growing up, I was always spiritual and I was always soulfully connected and quite a psychic child. And even through the religious studies or the religious condition and that we were just naturally brought up into I then started to play around with the idea of maybe I'm not a Catholic maybe maybe there's something else out there and then when I was around 14 years of age I was rebaptized as a born-again Christian and I dabbled in and around that area for a while and that really liberated my expression of spirituality but like I say when I came out of the spiritual closet online, it was purely because I started to feel validated by the kind of work that I was doing and by the results that my clients or that my students were getting at that time, which was 
the, all the more reason just to come out and, and be like, right, it's time. And don't get me wrong, I've come out of a few closets. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a reason why I'm not a born again Christian anymore, because they thought that I shouldn't love who I love. So I've done the coming out game quite a bit. But I have to say the coming out of the spiritual closet was one of the most liberating spaces that I've been in. You mentioned sober um, a, a little while ago. So you had, was it drink, drugs, connection, teenage? All of it. All of it. You name it. I was addicted to it. Drink, drugs, sex, rock and roll, sugar. I've had it all. Anything that was going to make me feel something other than the pain that I was currently going through. And, you know, I really had to work hard at being a good person. And this is something that, like, I really live my life by now. You know, I don't go around professing myself to be some kind of pure spiritual guru because I'm absolutely not I'm as human as the rest of us and that's where the dynamic of misfit to mystic came because that's always been me always been me brilliant brilliant and the same with me I, I, I never fitted in at school I never fitted in anywhere mm -hmm. and everywhere um, you know where I live now in Portugal it's it's um I I, I fit and I, I fit but not I fit by not fitting in, if you see what I mean, and that's kind of the lifestyle here, which is which, and I, I just love it, absolutely love it. So you're, um, you mentioned healing and doing readings. Tell, talk us through what, what what you do on on those areas. Yes. So whenever I first started my um, spiritual journey, spiritual awakening, like I say, I was quite young. I was quite a psychic child, and. I think the first interaction that was ever really strong and that stuck with me was a connection with Archangel Michael and through all of the shenanigans, all of the addictions, all of the trauma, it was always Michael that brought me back from that brink of, you know what, fuck it, I don't want to be here anymore, like I do not know what I'm doing and this human crack is hard. So that connection was really a predominant fixture in my life, a real saving grace. And then whenever I found, well, I should say my Reiki master teacher found me, she really helped me to clean up my act and, you know, really put that dangle the carrot in front of me. Here's the reason how you can get sober and how you can sort your shit out and actually make an impact in other people's lives who's burning in the flames that you are because they're all around you. Mm -hmm. And if you allow yourself to come into that space where you actually say, you know what, no, I actually can do good. And I can do it in this way that really aligns with me, then I believe that anybody can get cleaned up. Because if I can, then it is possible for people. Really, really possible. When you were about 14, you said you transitioned from Catholic to Christianity. So 14 is young. Had, had, was that something that you were coerced into doing or was it? Absolutely not. No, these street pastors picked me off the walls of Derry when I was slobbering drunk at 14 years of age and brought me to a church ceremony. And it was like whenever I say ceremony now, ceremony means different. It was it was like a gathering. Mm -hmm. It was just like, you know, like Sunday you go to mass. It was like that for them. But I'll, I'll never forget that night. Like, obviously, me and my friends were all drunk. I don't even know why we said yes. Like, I, I have no clue in my mind. We were drunk up the walls in Derry, which is infamous for people getting drunk up whenever you are that age in my community. So I don't even know why we said yes. But I can remember going in and the music blaring and people were happy and celebrating. And they were singing about this idea of God that I don't think that I ever found in Catholicism, that I didn't find in a chapel that a priest could not bestow upon me. And that ability then to be able to be loud and to be bold and to 
you know, really connect to something that was not kneel, stand, sit, pray, sing, whenever you're being told to do. You were free to express yourself and express that love for God or divinity that in a way that felt right for you. That was encouraged, that was supported. And that did clean me up for a little while. Um, but then when the teaching started about, you know, being, yeah, really faithful to heterosexuality and that being the idea and vision of God and following the example of Jesus Christ, that just did not sit well with me or my girlfriend at the time. So, yeah, I ended up uh, leaving. Did I leave? Did I get cast out? I felt cast out. I might not have actually been cast out. The pastor didn't say, mm -hmm. right, out you go, now you're yeah. going to the gates of hell. That was not a conversation that had happened. But I felt like, no, I don't fit in here then because the God that I know knows that love is love. And, and that's how I feel, how I identify. And yeah, that ended that pretty quickly. And yeah, again, those drink, drugs, rock and roll and everything else kind of hit hard again because when you lose the dynamic that this particular church gave you, which was a sense of purpose, a sense of being, like I was able to get up on stage at any point whenever I felt inspired to be able to speak and to be able to share philosophy and philosophy that didn't necessarily come from the Bible. Like they let me speak. And again, from being a child that was told that she was too much, too big, too loud and all the rest of it, I thought, right, fuck this, I'm getting up. <laughs> and I did. And it, it was amazing. And to have that response that was validating of what I was sharing, what I was saying, and also being young and being listened to, like all of those things just really did it for me. So it absolutely served. And I don't regret a day in my journey because it's brought me to this stage, but it doesn't mean it's been easy. <laughs> and that's the thing isn't it nothing is wasted all these different chapters we go through all these different experiences they're all lessons in some way aren't they and we choose how to interpret them sometimes we might feel a bit sorry for ourselves but at the end of the day we we ought to have learned something from that experience but then a lot of people keep repeating and repeating the same mistakes repeating the same kinds of toxic relationships for example and I think you've got something oh, yeah. to say about that haven't you Oh, right. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, love a red flag, me. <laughs> love a red flag. Um, yeah, I think in terms of relationships in my life, I think I can pretty honestly say to you that any time that I have fallen for somebody or created a romantic relationship, it has not come from a space of complimenting. It has been coming from a need, a need to have my needs met, desires met, and wanting to feel loved and valued by someone that would just accept me for who I was. And nine times out of 10, it gets me in the ship. <laughs> and it's, do you know what I mean? It, it has been an adventure to say the very least. And I think now at this stage, because like I say, I've just turned 30 and even though it's not a midlife crisis, I did kind of wake up and think, what an under God am I doing? Like compliment, not complicate. That's my motto. I can be a hypocrite in my work. You know, I can teach the teach and preach the preach and, you know, help everybody else do the walk. But when you're doing the journey yourself, hence the name Misfit to Mystic, you get lost in it as well. And, and that is such a big part of the journey. And, you know, for someone like me who, who very much is an open book, who pretty much loves her life, not fully online, 
but a lot online. Like I'm not scared to tell people that I make mistakes and that I've been through enough fuck ups, breakups and mess ups to account for everybody in my awareness because I have done, do you know what I mean? And for being the age that I am, which is why always people think that I am older, it's because of all the journeys and the experiences that I've been through. And, you know, it's not to say that I was addicted to pain, but subconsciously pain was all I knew. So it felt normal. It felt like that was the thing that I needed to seek that was familiar. And this is not going against any of the good times that I've had or any of the love that I had. Those things are all still very present, like always have been present. But it, it is me. It is the, the individual. And being able to present that to someone from the position that I'm sitting in as someone who goes through it, who walks through it, who has done enough damage and you know experienced enough damage to be able to say well look you're not alone in this journey and I'm not going to tell you what to do or how to do it but I'm going to hold your hand because that's what I needed growing up and that's the only reason why I've ever done anything that I've done in my career in my life is because I needed that when I was wee and if I'm not going to stand by that moral compass now and do that for people who are also walking that path like I did then what's the point? Mm. Very, very refreshing hearing you talk like that Megan because um, 30 is still very young by my book I'm old enough to do you be, know what I mean <laughs> to be a great grandmother <laughs> but it's, it's amazing my mom said to me by the age of 25 she thought I'd lived three people's lives by then and mm -hmm. um, you know lots of experience that I'd, I'd had and I'd continue to have and my family don't understand me they, they're actually not talking to me at the moment uh, part of my family because they're um, apparently I'm so radical because I don't fit and they mm -hmm. because of that they think I'm radical but I'm not really I'm just in a different tribe so so there we are absolutely and you mentioned mentoring as well I think that's a really important differentiator between people who coach and people who mentor mentors have walked the talk and they continue to walk the talk which is which is what I do but yeah. um, coaching anybody can pretty much go on a co coaching course and then take you through a process but with what you do and um, it's very experiential isn't it story show. absolutely absolutely and and that's one of the services that I offer actually one of the services is called own your story so it's either own your story ceremony ceremonies it used to be called own your story coaching um but then as I was going through that journey I realized that even though I am qualified coach it's not my style I prefer to mentor and to be able to you know, really encapsulate people within the storylines that they are telling. I'm really big on writing. I'm really big on detail. Blow everything up, make it colourful, because that's what my life has been like. It's been a blow up. <laughs> it's been absolutely colourful. So whenever you're able to bring people into that perspective where you can absolutely own your story, but you can rewrite the thing as well. Like you do not need to consistently get wrapped around in the spiral of whatever perspective or view or lens that you are perceiving your life in. And whenever I am in the space of mentoring, and even when I'm in the space of teaching, when I'm doing development, psychic development, spiritual development, personal development, it is always from that space of mentoring because I cannot... I cannot speak to something that has not intrinsically been experienced inside. Mm -hmm. I cannot, I can empathize with pain and I can compassionately speak to pain, but unless I have either experienced at some level or I have consciously worked with other people in a safe, secure, 
stable place and guided them through that. I won't touch it. Like, I, I would not recommend anything that has not made a personal difference in my life, which is the only reason why I've studied as profusely as what I have, is because all the trials and experiments that I've gone through with all methods of healing, I will only ever recommend the ones that I've personally tried myself, and I will not open my mouth until I know what that is capable of doing for a person, because if it can do it for me, then I know that I can speak to that for other people as well. So it's really a safeguarding measure doing that, doesn't it? It's yeah. really about having a duty of care for people and ensuring that you're not walking them into being re-traumatized or re-triggering them in some way. It is purely a sense of duty of care. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, you're absolutely right. And and walking your talk and being in alignment with who you are to the point where what you see is what you get, rather than so many people tend to put a, a false front on and they're not in alignment with who they are. And then they wonder why their life's all screwed up because they're trying to be something that they're not. And that's the work that I do with behavioural profiling. So I can tell by looking at somebody's behaviour uh, pattern with the reports that um, come off of my system, whether somebody is ill, what they're likely to be ill with, uh, whether they are at burnout, they've, they've already reached burnout or they're approaching it, whatever. And it's, it's fascinating. So we've all got different ways of coming to the same thing, but it's all about alignment and joy and happiness, love, all that kind of stuff, isn't it? Absolutely. That sounds so interesting what you do. We must talk about this off camera. <laughs> you sparked my attention now. There's going to be something else to learn about. Yeah. I've decided that I need to train people because um, yes. I've, I've been working for 25 years plus with a DISC model of behavioral profiling. And um, I've created a, a method where I can tell the health aspects. So I've I've created a model that's on, on the back end of my website where people just do their report and then they have a consultation on Zoom with me. So like you, I can meet with people anywhere in the world. But the reason I was in London recently was um, I was invited by a firm of accountants to help them to assess four senior people to a different role. And are they behaviorally suited? So I said yes. And then I also gave them a guidance on their health and well-being. So um, two of them, yes, no hesitation whatsoever. The other two, I said, yes, are still, still okay. However, they need to be supported in this way or that way because of things I was seeing in their behavior pattern, indicating they're not in alignment with their true selves. So that is just amazing. And that was the first that I'd actually, I've done lots of things like that in the past, but it's the first physical one I've actually traveled to do because as I say, I can do it online. But when you see people in person, the, the energy, you know, the energy exchange and the conversations are, are so much nicer. So I'm now at the, um, at the point of thinking, well, how do I take this forward? And um, as I say, I've been doing it 25 years, but with um, health things that have happened to me and, and life um, adventures, shall we say, I think, right, okay, now is the time to, uh, to see what I can do and train other people. You mentioned, Incredible. <laughs> you mentioned Archangel Michael. I talk to him every day. And uh, yeah. I've been told that there are several Archangel Michaels and they're not all good. What, what, what would you say to that? Um, I would say that there's light and heavy everywhere that you go. And the clearer your intention is whenever you are doing any type of connection to spirit, the more grounded you'll be in your body so that you do not end up going off into space and losing your marbles because that is all very well and good. And also not being a magnet for crap. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And I think that... 
you know, whenever we say that there's lots of different Archangel Michaels, that there's probably lots of energies out there that say they're one thing but do another. You see it in the human experience and you'll see it in the, in the spirit experience. And whenever it comes to the connection that I have with Archangel Michael, you know, he's the bestest friend that I've ever had, but he's also the biggest pain in my arse. Like, you know what I mean? And and that's just what my team are. That's what my guides are. I talk to them like I'll talk to you or anybody else. I'll be effing and jeffing and swearing and all the rest of it. Because for me, that is an authentic relationship. And if you do not create space for those rational, normal human emotions to come up whenever spirit's doing your tits in, well, then is it really authentic? So I would really, when it comes to speaking to lots of different entities, so there might be lots of good and lots of bad. My rules are pure intention, first of all, know who it is that you're looking to speak to, to make sure that you're practicing energy protection anyway, never mind talking with spirit. I'm on about Tom, Dick and Harry in the street that can leach energy off you or you can leak it to them. And then the third one, do not give spirit permission to move shit in your house. There's spirit for a reason. Like, do you know what I mean? Judea care, safety first, safeguarding, call it whatever you want, but there's a reason why there's spirit. Do you know what I mean? Don't dick about with that stuff because once you give the power away and you don't know how to give it back, then what? How do we practice? How do how do people thinking for, for the benefit of the listeners, how do people protect themselves? How do Tom, Dick and Harry protect themselves from, from evil spirits? So personally, because I've never even entertained the thought of it, fear is a very real thing that will give permission to anything to attach to you. And whenever we are scared, we are much more easily manipulated, coerced and controlled. And whenever you are in that fear-based state, it does magnetize the wrong type of energy. It's like people, when they're going through these patterns and repeat cycles, they're not able to move out of that space. But when it comes to a spirit perspective, if your intention is to connect to the purest light that is conscious, that is love, that is the thing that created you, and you believe in it, then that hands down more than any crystals, any crucifixes, any exorcisms, will stand really, really strong in your energy. And what I will say is, if you are faking it until you make it, it still can serve a purpose because you have to start somewhere. Because the biggest problem is when people are trying to really, you know, the biggest buzzwords at the minute are manifestation and, you know, raise your vibration and good vibes only. And, and as much as they can serve a purpose, in very many states, they're not realistic because false positivity is toxic positivity that can be even more detrimental. And whenever you are practicing with protection, it's about exercising those faith muscles. It's about consciously saying yes to the light, yes to the love, allowing that to move through you and giving yourself the space and time every day to do so. And I don't mean just getting up blase saying, right, Archangel Michael, mom, wrap back, look around me, we're going out for a dander now. It's about actually getting under the space. And we don't create a lot of that space because of the society that we live in. We're overworked, underpaid and undervalued and we're all ill. So in that predicament, the only way to really practice strong anything, strengthen any kind of resilience is making that space and that time for yourself to really connect to that essence or that higher power that you believe in. And that will protect you from the nasties, but it doesn't mean that your soul's not going to want to dance with the devil a couple of more times for girls. Do you know what I mean? 
interesting and you mentioned about people um, kind of just drawing out and sucking out your energy and you you know when you go into a room or you stand next to somebody on a on a, at the bus stop or whatever you can feel the energy can't you mm-hmm. and it's it's amazing you can even even just by looking at somebody's face quite often you you know if they're if they're kind thoughtful can whatever it is but sometimes we do make mistakes and that's why we end up going into the relationships that aren't that, that don't serve us and again it plays it's playing to the fear isn't it absolutely and we also need to you know make this very clear for anybody who's listening anybody can be susceptible to it if there is a vulnerability if there has not been a strong foundation of clear boundaries put in place of what's safe and unsafe what is moral what is immoral then people are already starting at a disadvantage and there is no shame or judgment in that at at any stage yes we always talk about accountability and people taking responsible or responsibility for the part that they played in that role but generally people are doing what they know and not everyone has been given the knowledge that they need to be able to protect themselves or even to recognize an energy vampire or an unhealthy or toxic trauma bond or, or any of these things that are that now everyone seems to be a fucking expert on. Like, do you know what I mean? Like at the minute, everyone's a narcissist and everyone. So all of those things are really big now because those foundations were not in place. Do you know what I mean? And they weren't given in the first place to whoever taught you that trait it wasn't given to them or else they just would have passed it down because it's patterns yeah patterns are incredible incredibly powerful and we don't always see the patterns um i'm just currently doing um a series of 10 free master classes and i've decided i'm going to just keep rolling rolling them on so i'll, I'll do the 10 then i'll just start again do you know, the 10 just keep doing it because i'm finding the people that are listening are so inspired by they're everyday conversations but they're they're things that affect our life day to day so when i was um, i used to be a, a mentor for um, people just newly diagnosed with cancer and i still do a lot of that but not quite so prominent. I used to give talks and, and all sorts kinds, which I don't do these days. Um, but I found that there was a pattern. And if our life is in balance with all these areas, so it's work, home, mind, body, beliefs, attitudes, values, behavior, friends, and family. So those 10 areas, if we're in balance in all of those areas, then our, our life just flows, absolutely mm-hmm. flows. We don't need to do anything, just enjoy the love, the joy, the happiness and all the rest of it. But if there's only one of those areas out of kilter, then that's when you start getting everything else. It's like a, a boat that's tipping up at sea, you know, getting all wobbly. So none of this is difficult, is it? But we're not taught it. Not taught it. And that's the biggest disadvantage because it's not in the core foundation of education anywhere. Like anywhere. And, you know, I wasn't like, I know that you said earlier on that you you weren't really, you know, interested in school. There was parts of school that I really, really loved. Like I did great in my GCSEs. Like it wasn't like superstar academia. And then whenever I went to do my A-levels in iMedia, I did even better because it was a topic that I, that really inspired me. But I grew up to be a psychic come off it. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Like grateful for school and all the rest of the stuff that's going on but I grew up to start a soulful business where I would be teaching and talking to people consistently about accountability responsibility and a connection to a source that has really been indoctrinated from a religious perspective growing up and 
you know, school didn't teach me any of that. <laughs> that yeah. wasn't a topic. <laughs> you use the word source. I'm, I'm using that word more often these days. And no matter whether people say it's God or Allah or, or you know, whatever, um, yeah. it's all the same. It's energy, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think that, you know, in one of the practices that I do for, for my soulful practice every day, that is just for me, whenever I am in conversation with source, when I am conversing, when I'm communicating, sometimes the name will change. And, you know, source really it, it does what it says in the tin. It's the source of everything. Um, but sometimes I would name it spirit or I would name it love or divinity or, you know, some other name. And it all depends in the, in the energy that I'm working with. And whenever I teach this, whenever I teach people about the concept of source of universe of spirit, I always reflect back to the Trinity and it being a three-part system. And I always say it starts with you, spirit and the universe, which is the source of everything. So there's always a three connection in that whenever I'm teaching it, because you know, the universe is what we are living in. It is the thing that is creating itself, that it's expanding all the time. Spirit is the invisible connection that is collaborating with spirit, with energies, with entities. It is collaboratively making this universe grow. It's adding to that energy. It's creating the frequency. And then you are an expression of those things. Just you are an expression of it in a skin suit, doing the best you can with what you've got. <laughs> Absolutely fascinating so how do people get hold of you Megan so at the minute uh you can find me on Facebook you can join my group the Misfit Mystic Academy which is no problem you'll be able to find me there um my my actual profile on Facebook is blowing up right now so um friend requests they're probably going to become few and far between but if you just search me on social media Misfit to Mystic or Misfit to Mystic Academy you'll be able to find me Brilliant. Thank you. And do you have a website? I don't have a website at the minute. It is currently uh, getting done up at the minute because I have just started a new membership that encompasses all of my teachings and all of my mad swearing shenanigans when it comes to spirit in one place. So in that space, I offer all of my favorite teachings where it's spiritual development, personal development, and it's a soul tribe family of misfits and mystics who have felt alone and isolated, but want to live a soulful life so that they can create it on their terms and live a life that they actually want to live. Brilliant. And that so fits in with my Friday Health Club. I'd love to have you come speak to our members. Friday oh, I would Club. love to. Every, every week, um, we're booked up till the end of June, as far as I know. We've been booked up for several months to the end of June. I need to start getting coming in. So I'll send you the link. So the Friday Health Club um, goes from 11 to 12.30, and we're all misfits, but we've found our tribe. So we're uh, all, all done together. Fantastic. I look forward to that. Thank you so much. Marvellous. OK, lovely to speak with you. Megan Robinson from Misfit to Mystic. Thank you.